Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. As we wrap up a week and head into a very big holiday weekend, and we hope that it'll be a very safe one for you. Very special time as we remember, especially those who have and are serving our country, and especially we honor and remember those who uh, gave their lives in service of our country. So a special time, and we hope it'll be a great weekend for you, and please be very careful. Coming up on our program today... We're going to talk about gas prices in this holiday weekend, higher than we've seen in some time. And what role does ethanol play in helping keep gas prices down? What role could it play if we got E15 sales year-round through the summer months? We'll talk about it with Ron Lamberty, Senior Vice President for the American Coalition for Ethanol. Speaking of ethanol, big meeting been going on this week in Minneapolis. Several countries in uh, looking at the possibility of expanded ethanol use throughout the Pacific uh, area. You know, a lot of countries there, uh, they've been talking countries like uh, China, India, Malaysia, uh, Taiwan, Thailand, Vietnam, several others. So uh, we're going to talk about it with the U.S. Grains Council. Their chief economist, Mike Dwyer, will be with us a little bit later on. And then also today we're going to take a look at a new study out showing the continued loss of of honeybees and bee colonies in this country. We'll talk about that with the research coordinator for Bee Informed Partnership. That's coming up a little bit later. But right now, joining us is Todd Neely with DTN. Todd, thanks for joining us. Uh, it's been another busy week and another week with a yet another White House meeting on, on biofuels. Do we know what uh, was said or decided on at that meeting? Well, Mike, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, Actually, we, we are expecting, hopefully, in the next week or so to, to learn more about what the RSS is, uh, what the changes are, if any. Um, DOE, EPA, and the USDA uh, reportedly held a meeting on Thursday, um, supposedly to talk about E15 and how to, how to move that to the year-round sales that uh, the industry has been pushing for. Um, not sure if there are any other topics of discussion from that meeting. You know, we've heard a lot about attaching RINs to exports, um, you know, a number of other things that, that might come about. Um, one thing that was interesting this week, there was a copy of the latest RVO numbers in the RFS that were leaked to the press. Um, if those numbers are accurate, the, the EPA is really not changing the RFS volumes all that, all that significantly. Um, Reportedly, there's there's a, the number of 15 billion gallons for corn ethanol supposedly is staying in place. Um, I think the more interesting aspect of this is, uh, you know, the small refiner uh, waivers that we've been hearing a lot about and how that's going to play in. Um, I guess according to the law, uh, the EPA is required to reallocate gallons that are lost through those waivers if uh, the waivers are granted before the, the volumes are released by EPA. Um, so the timing of this will be interesting because this week we've also heard about uh, Marathon Oil, which is one of the largest refiners in the country, requesting a waiver. Um, so it's kind of a wait and see, but the timing of the release of the volumes and, uh, you know, the timing about whether EPA, um, you know, is granting more waivers is going to be very interesting. Yeah, because as we've said before, I mean, the RVO numbers are fine, but if, if EPA keeps granting waivers, you really uh, diminish those uh, RVO numbers if uh, if those gallons are being lost through waivers. 
Yeah, you know, and I think the biggest pain would be felt in uh, some of these advanced biofuels, uh, you know, cellulosic ethanol, um, a lot of the advanced technologies we hear about. Uh, the one aspect that's interesting about the RSS is that uh, at this point in time, according to the statute, we're supposed to be at over 8 billion gallons of, uh, of cellulosic ethanol. Um, and the latest RVOs that were leaked, uh, we're not even at a half a billion gallon, gallons. And so, um, you know, whether you agree with, with how the EPA is administering uh, the RSS, um, maybe the larger question and some of the larger issues about uh, whether the policy is even working anymore um, I think is, is up for debate, and maybe, um, you know, as we go on into this next year, if possible, if there's RFS reform, um, you can only hope that maybe something will be done to make uh, to make that policy more aggressive. We're talking with Todd Neely from DTN. Todd, also, there's, of course, always lots of interest in, in waters of the U.S., and we continue to, mm-hmm. to watch that, and the, the repeal effort by the administration, but also the what's going on in the court system, and you've been watching a uh, case in New York. Yeah, uh, you know, after EPA had released uh, a proposal to basically put put on hold the 2015 rule for a couple of years to allow the agency uh, to reform and to rewrite the rule, uh, the state of New York, along with a number of other states, as well as some environmental groups, had sued EPA Uh, claiming that that delay was unlawful. Um, What we've seen since is, uh, you know, this is a case that you don't hear a lot about, but um, at the heart of this is whether EPA has the authority to do what it did. Um, And so we've seen American Farm Bureau and others intervene in this case uh, because the concern is if that 2015 rule is allowed to go into effect, um, as you know, the EPA would have broad authority over the waters of the U.S. The, the number of waters, streams, tributaries, and those things that would be under EPA authority would expand greatly. And so there's a lot on the line. Uh, you know, the race is kind of on at this point. Um, you know, we've heard that EPA is probably soon going to be releasing a proposed rewrite of the rule. Um, and so it's kind of a race between the legal challenges going on and whether uh, the agency can get that rule out and get a public comment period going. Because it feels like we're in limbo, caught in between right now, between the old and the new here. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think the thing that, you know, what seems to be have been lost by a lot of the people who, who uh, oppose rewriting this rule is that states on their own do a fair, a pretty good job of, of regulating and, and keeping waters healthy. And so this is really coming down to uh, a federal versus state issue, as it's always really been. Um, and so I think as this, as this court case plays out and, and as we see this rule come out, I think the thing that, that's really going to be important is whether um, a new rule will, will be clear enough for, for agriculture and others who have to abide by, by the regulations uh, to practically follow this on the ground. Yeah, federal versus state also uh... – mm-hmm voluntary versus mandated as well that's a part of this absolutely yeah and you know we've seen states like iowa that have got severe water quality challenges um you know taking the voluntary approach um, you know in fact all all up and down the upper uh, mississippi river basin that's been the case uh but it is a large issue and uh, you know we've seen that as voluntary voluntary measures are taken they can be quite effective 
Yeah, the, the previous EPA under the Obama administration seemed to take the approach, we don't trust farmers to do it themselves. Uh, we're going to step in and, and force you to do certain things. Uh, hopefully there will be a, a little different approach in this next one, a more cooperative approach. Yeah, and I think that's what we've heard a lot of is that, um, you know, say what you want about Scott Pruitt and the EPA, but um, he has, in effect, um, reached out to states, uh, a lot of these industry groups that didn't really have a voice in the first WOTUS rule that came out, um, I, I think quite effectively they've been heard. And, and so mm -hmm. I expect that what we'll see in this rule, this upcoming rule, will be quite different. Thanks, Todd, for being with us. Have a great weekend. All right. You too. Thanks. Todd Neely with DTN. Coming up next, Ron Lamberty, Senior Vice President for the American Coalition for Ethanol, next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. The mighty Prosaro, king of fungicides. Its fast action and long residual make it the keeper of grain quality and yield, the hammer of head and leaf diseases, the number one reducer of scab. When your goal is greater wheat quality and higher yield, use Prosaro fungicide, and the crown of higher profit will be yours. Learn more at prosaro.us. Always read and follow label instructions. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. Join people just like you who made the call to InventHelp. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 800-352-1402. That's 800-352-1402. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I'd wake up with a sore neck or maybe a headache, or I'd feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. Well, when I invented my pillow, I wanted it so you could adjust the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not how much time we spend in bed. It's how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all my own manufacturing. Manufacturing my home state of Minnesota, I have a 10-year warranty, and you can wash and dry my pillow. And here's my best offer ever: get four my pillows for the price of one. That's right, get four my pillows, two premium pillows and two travel pillows for the price of one. Order my pillow at 800-871-7280 and use promo code Farm11. Get four my pillows for the price of one. Call 800-871-7280 and use promo code Farm11. Go to mypillow.com and at checkout use promo code Farm11. If you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year, if you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out, just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. 
And here's a bonus C, choice. Because when you call for your free Endless Pool Idea Kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location. Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And welcome back, everyone, to Adams on Agriculture as we head into the uh, holiday weekend. By the way, we will have a, a show for you on Monday on Memorial Day, and uh, a lot of it will be uh, a review of some of the key stories we've had, uh, some kind of best of AOA, but we also have a Farm Progress Show preview that will be coming up on Monday with uh, Matt Youngman, the show manager. So, um get the very latest on the upcoming farm progress show at the end of august be here before we know it right now though upon us is the memorial day weekend and we go into this holiday weekend with higher gas prices than we have seen in some time i know in my area gas now over three dollars have not have not seen that for quite some time joining us now is ron lamberty senior vice president american coalition for ethanol uh, Ron, thanks for joining us. Uh, certainly these prices would be higher if it wasn't for ethanol. And, in fact, if we had more ethanol in the marketplace. Right. Uh, ethanol is uh, 50, depending on where you are, 50 to 60 or 70 cents less than gas. So every time you add another 10%, that's another nickel to 7 cents less. So uh, if we could probably 2 or 3 cents more. but uh, And then, of course, if you do 85, it's a lot less. Uh, and that doesn't even count any of the RIN value, which keeps dropping because people keep talking and messing with those things. But either way you look at it, it's a, it's a less expensive fuel. So the more of it we use, the lower our prices could be. But we're about to head, we're very close to losing E15, uh, what, June 1st? Right. June 1st to September 15th is the low RVP season, uh, the summer RVP season, which was put in place because that's uh, when temperatures get up to around, you know, sometimes get to 100 degrees. And when you get to that level, there's issues with fuel and the, the vapor pressure. The more pressure it has, the more pollution it has. The thing is, E10 has uh, about 10 pounds of reed vapor pressure, and so does E15. Um, but because of the way legislation was written, it only said 10%. And EPA up till now has interpreted things to say that uh, that just means, you know, 10% means 10%. It doesn't mean 11. It doesn't mean 15. And it's frustrating because we've got an EPA that's obviously had some different interpretations on other regulations when it comes to things they'll do for a refiner. But uh, here we are with people who could save a little bit more money at the pump. You have stations that might be able to make a penny or two more margin when it's busiest during the year. And it's something that wouldn't would not make you know wouldn't wouldn't harm the environment. It probably actually E15 is technically a tiny bit lower vapor pressure than E10. So it's just baffling and maddening and all the other things that you can think of that uh, E15 isn't just allowed. So not to mention the fact that there's a lot of stations who haven't put it in because they don't like to mess with this kind of regulation. From you know June, all of a sudden you got to change your fuel slate. And then September 15th, you got to change it again. So it is, uh, that's why there's so few places doing it. But, um, 
it, it you know it it'll be available in some fashion in a lot of places it's just it could be a lot more you know a lot more available and save people a whole lot more money hopefully it will be soon but uh, that process is ongoing to see about an e15 waiver that we've heard so much about that would allow year-round sales ron for those markets that do have for those stations that do offer e15 uh, what do you hear from them as far as a uh, consumer uh, response? I mean, uh, are consumers using E15 if it's available to them? Yeah, I mean, you, you know, the, the the minimum that you look at is how does it do compared to other products? I mean, most stations' best seller is the E10 product. So what's the next best product? In in some cases where they put E15 in, it has become the best-selling product. Um, that's generally in markets where they're pretty comfortable with ethanol and they've marketed it as unleaded 88 or unleaded something because when you put an E in front of something, sometimes it confuses people. They think it's flex fuel because the only E they've seen before is E85. But if they let people know it can be used in unleaded and regular cars, 2001 and newer, there's a sticker that says that, but still people look at the pump and look for unleaded and regular in some cases, it's the best-selling fuel they got, but in almost, um, I mean, I guess I shouldn't say almost, in every case that I'm aware of, it sells better than premium does. It sells better than anybody who has like a mid-grade. Mid-grade hardly sells at all. So it's become the the second best-selling fuel at most places, and in some cases, it's the best-selling fuel. Yeah, and let's reemphasize that again uh, for those that uh, maybe are confused on this, but if your vehicle is 2001 or newer, you can use E15. It doesn't have to be a flex fuel vehicle. Any 2001 and newer vehicle can use E15, right? Exactly. It's it's regular gasoline. I mean, it's unleaded gasoline. If your car uses regular unleaded, it's 2001 or newer. Um, it, it it's EPA did all the testing. Um, however, three years worth of testing starting around 2008 to 2011, and they approved it for everything 2001 and newer. Uh, you don't put it in small engines, not because it damaged any, but they didn't test it, so it's not approved for that. But any car that uses gas, pretty much about 90% of the cars on the road can use E15. We're talking with Ron Lamberty, Senior Vice President, American Coalition for Ethanol. Ron, talking about these gas prices going up, uh, and while no one likes, no, none of us like to see that, obviously, when we're filling our tanks, but it does, again, remind us of um, the benefits, one of the many benefits of ethanol, and that is helping keep prices down. And sometimes I think we uh, consumers lose uh, sight of that or lose track of that when, when gas prices are very low. We don't think so much about saving a few pennies here or there. But as prices start getting above $3 a gallon, then all of a sudden people start uh, becoming uh, more sensitive, more aware to that again. Right, and you, you think about what a difference it would make to have 10% less fuel in the marketplace. I mean, that just the, just strictly the value of having other competitive fuel out there. I mean, imagine what gas prices would be if you know if people if, if if a station didn't have the option of selling an E10. Um, it, it, it's you know it, it's prices. Uh, if you go back to when the whole renewable fuel standard was put in place. And we were starting on, you know, starting to head up the road, and you know, it wasn't too long ago we were at four bucks a gallon, um, and now we're getting back towards three, which is kind of kind of hard to understand because of all the different things that, you know, over the years the oil company.
just said, we need this, we need this, we need this, and they got those things. And yet what's happened is oil prices have gone up. Um, and I just, it, it's hard to imagine where we would be if we didn't have, um, you know, the, that extra 10% supply in the marketplace. And it'd be kind of interesting to find out where we would be if it were closer to 15% of the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... Uh We've almost taken for granted that ethanol is 10% of our of our fuel now. And as you said, if you took that out, where would where would prices be? I, I just, you know, so much of the news and the headlines around ethanol always seem to be criticisms and attacks. And we, I think, so many people just don't understand and realize the many benefits that we're receiving from uh, ethanol in our fuel supply, and the more benefits we could receive if we can increase that amount. Well, it's, it's even more frustrating because there's all those people who think they know a lot about it. I mean, the, the statements that still get made every day about ethanol that are not true and never have been true and are the reasons that some people think that they shouldn't like it. Um, you know, it's still vilified by by people and blamed for things that it, that it doesn't do and never has done. And people think that they know that, that that's exactly the fact. I mean, it's... it's uh, what people think they know is mostly wrong, um, and what it is is basically a, a thing that helps. You know, ethanol helps the base fuel burn cleaner. It, it it itself adds to the fuel supply, and it's something that keeps the money we spend on fuel in the United States helping our economy, helping things run in in rural America, keeping things like payments to farmers lower because they're making money selling corn. Uh, to make ethanol, and a lot of those people, you know, in our organization, a lot of those people are own shares in ethanol plants, and that's what they've done with their life savings. So it's a, it's something that it's, you know, it's important that we straighten people out and make sure they know the facts whenever, whenever it's brought up. So when you go to that Memorial Day pickup, somebody starts yammering about bad things about ethanol. Uh, feel free to correct them on everything that they're trying to say because it's a great fuel that we make and. And, and your neighbors make it, and uh, it's, it's helped us keep our economy going at a time when a lot of other things have been difficult. So uh, it's uh, it's something that you know it's a it's a good thing to fight for, and and uh, I wish I wasn't quite as you know <laughs> quite as busy fighting it every day, but uh, but it's but it's worth it. Well, keep up the good fight, okay? Yeah, we will. We will. And you guys too. Thanks, Ron. Appreciate it. Have a great weekend. You bet. You too. Ron Lamberty, Senior Vice President for the American Coalition for Ethanol. Well, speaking of ethanol, been a big meeting this week in Minneapolis uh, to promote the use and sale of ethanol in the Pacific Rim area. We'll talk about it the next. Learn more about that meeting with Mike Dwyer, Chief Economist for the U.S. Grains Council, coming up next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, 
the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Time for Market Check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. For the grain and oil seed sector on this Friday, we are showing positive signs in front of the changes. USDA saying the Chinese buyers are shopping around for soybeans in the U.S. once again. The agency saying that private exporters reported sales of 312,000 metric tons of soybeans for 2018-19 and another 165,000 tons from a country of optional origin. Meanwhile, a trucker's strike backing up exports and causing fuel shortages in Brazil this week. That's said to be supporting old crop soybeans. July soybeans erased intraday gains to close lower yesterday, near session lows on Thursday. The action defining Thursday's high at 10.50 and three quarters as new resistance. On the downside, the 20-day moving average is first support at 10.25 and a half. An hour into the trading day, July soybeans up six and a half at 10.42 and a quarter. Corn, July contract up a penny at 4.05 and a quarter. Dryness is of increasing concern for crop areas of the southwest Midwest, especially with the current well above normal temperature pattern. In the wheats, we're trending five to seven and a fraction higher in Minneapolis spring wheat, nine and a fraction better Kansas City. Chicago wheat, seven to eight and a fraction higher. For livestock at the Merck in live cattle futures, June down 20 cents at 104.20, August up a dime at 101.87, feeder cattle August up 50 cents at 143.80. We'll have a cattle on feed report from USDA at 11 Central Time on Friday. Lean hog futures, June down 20 cents, 74.62. The Dow down 22 points, July crude oil down $2.08. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. Rusty Halverson, American Ag Network. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heart for a mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Been a big meeting this week in Minneapolis. Industry and government officials from 17 countries meeting with members of the U.S. ethanol industry and U.S. officials. 
looking at uh, current and future prospects for expanded ethanol use throughout that region. And here to tell us about it is Mike Dwyer, Chief Economist for the U.S. Grains Council. Mike, thanks for joining us. Quite a meeting. It's my pleasure. Uh, Yes, it was. It turned out to be even better than our expectations. All right. Mike, are you on a are you on a speakerphone by any chance? Yeah, you want me to get on us? Yeah, if you could get a on a handset, we could we could hear you a little bit better, I think. Not now. Yeah, that's much better. Thank you very much. Okay. Appreciate it. Some, sometimes speakerphones don't always work the best on the radio, so we appreciate it. Okay, yeah. uh, tell us about this meeting. This is kind of a follow up to previous meetings, right? Well, this is the second summit that we have sponsored. The first one was the ethanol summit of the americas that would have been from canada all the way down to argentina uh... this one we looked uh... toward asia this would be china india japan korea all the countries over there in the uh, asian pacific rim yeah we keep hearing about you know maybe china's going to increase they're going to increase their use of ethanol uh... but other countries are looking at it too i i find it interesting sometimes that we have such a struggle to increase the use of ethanol in in our own country fighting all kinds of different uh, oppositions and hurdles and red tape while other countries seem to be embracing it uh, openly well i'll tell you it's a young industry you know most people know a lot about gasoline they know a lot about corn but very few people worldwide know very much about ethanol, other than uh, it is the green alternative to gasoline. But there are so many compelling reasons, and this was actually the focus of the summit. You know, it helps clean up dirty air in Asia, particularly China, India, all of South Asia for that matter, has been identified by the World Health Organization as having some of the um, unhealthiest air in the world. So what we're trying to do is say if you blend 10% ethanol or even better, 20%, you can have a major impact on air quality, improving it quite a bit. And if you buy American ethanol, you get it at a discount to gasoline. So it's, it's a great thing. You get all these benefits, and you end up with the consumer getting a discount on their fuel. Um, most people don't know this. Don't, they don't understand it. The, the idea that ethanol can be used as an octane enhancer it's like a 113 octane in its pure form. Uh, when you blend it, uh, you can cut out some of the nastiest components of gasoline that are carcinogenic, um, that actually contribute to dirty air. The ethanol instead actually helps clean up the air as an oxygenate. Yeah, this meeting that the U.S. Grains Council, along with Growth Energy and Renewable Fuels Association, uh, put together, brought these countries together. Then, what was their response? What what kind of questions are they are they asking? How receptive are they to increased use of ethanol? Well, uh, they ask lots of questions, particularly on that octane argument. But in all honesty, they know very little about anything uh, related to ethanol's benefits. What they think of it is a substitute for gasoline, and about the only country in the world where that's true. Uh, would be E85 here in the U.S. and in Brazil with its E100 hydrous ethanol. Typically, uh, ethanol substitutes for components of gasoline. Gasoline is a cocktail of 200 different petrochemicals. Uh, when you use uh, ethanol, you can get rid of some of the really high-priced components that also uh, actually are major contributors to air uh, degradation. So. So they ask questions. They're in a learning mode. Uh, lots of questions, as a matter of fact. We also took them on some post tours uh, throughout the Midwest to show them ethanol plants, how a modern corn ethanol plant works, uh, the way our farmers grow the corn and, and, and market it to the refineries. Um, and, and, in fact, all we've gotten is just nothing but positive press. 
uh, just like we did the Ethanol Summit of the Americas, where we did the same thing. After the actual event, we took them to see the entire supply chain, uh, from the farm all the way to the export terminal. We're talking with Mike Dwyer, Chief Economist for the U.S. Grains Council. So, Mike, uh, what's that next step? How do we get ethanol going into these countries? Well, we are already. Uh, India was one of the countries there. It's our third largest uh, ethanol market. But all of the ethanol we sell in India is industrial ethanol. It is not fuel ethanol, and there's really not much difference. The government will not allow the importation of fuel ethanol. But we are working diligently in India right now to try to explain to them why we think that's a mistake, that if they would embrace uh, imports, they could quickly move their blend rates from E3 uh, up to E10 in probably a year, two years max. Uh, they just don't like importing solutions, but we reminded them, you know, you import fuel, ethanol. I mean, you import uh, gasoline or oil from all over the world. If you imported ethanol to bring your blend to E10, you'd need a lot less imported oil. You'd save foreign exchange. You clean up your air. It's really a win-win uh, but until they believe it's a win-win, they don't, they're, they're not going to take the steps necessary to make it happen. Like I said, it's already number three. It's a great customer. We think it could be an even better customer. China has announced recently they're going to E10 nationwide. That is probably the announcement of the year globally in ethanol. Why? Because it takes them from right now their, their ethanol blend rate in China at the national level is E2.5. By going to E10 by 2020, this is a four-fold increase in their demand. They will probably fill a lot of it with Chinese ethanol, but my guess is they will not come anywhere close to filling it all with Chinese ethanol. And at that point, we want them to know there's only one supplier in the world that can fill the order books of China, and it's the USA. I was going to ask you about the competitive situation. Obviously, in the case of China, you got some domestic production. Uh, I was thinking about Brazil. Are they going to be competing for these markets? Uh, I, I don't really think so. Uh, the, the Brazilian product at the export position in, in uh, Santos, Brazil, is two dollars a gallon. Ours is one sixty. Um, uh, no, it's two twenty. I think theirs is two two dollars a gallon, and ours is one sixty. So we have a forty cent a gallon discount at the export position. In the world of commodities, that's all the difference in the world. Now, if, if China decides to import, I'm pretty sure they're going to buy American ethanol. So we have an opportunity to see a significant increase in our ethanol exports in. Over the next five years, we are expecting big gains. And rather than put a number on it, I'll say it'll grow by magnitudes of what it is now. That's our goal. Cool. We're well-funded. We've got the support of the corn states. We've got the support of the entire U.S. ethanol industry. We've been in the market development business at the U.S. Grains Council for over 50 years. We do know how to develop markets. What's new for us is developing an energy market because that's what ethanol is. It may be made from corn, but it competes against all the other ethanols and the, and the, and the fossil fuels of the world. That's new for us, and we're, we're still coming to grips with it, but we're getting a lot of kudos from all of our, uh, our, our stakeholders. That sounds positive. Uh, Mike, do these countries have any kind of, do they have their forms of an RFS, or are they looking at something like that, or, or, or how is, is it just different country to country? It's different country to country, but you just put your, you, you just hit, hit the nail on the head. The biggest problem worldwide is uh, 60 countries have mandates, or what they call mandates, but there's no enforcement mechanism. The RFS, the reason we hit the blend rates we're supposed to is because it was mandatory and the, and, and the mandate was enforced. Most countries have a goal. 
They call it a mandate, but it's an aspirational goal because there's no enforcement. And we told them the difference between success and failure is you must enforce that mandate. And if you can't do it with domestic production, you have to open up the import market. That is yeah. the one way you can absolutely hit your blend rate every year if you leave room for trade, which is really our mantra. Well, everywhere we go in the world, our, our focus is to dramatically boost the global blend rate of ethanol, but with a role for trade. You know, and, and uh, that, I think that that's is, starting to resonate. That's a great point with all this RFS debate we have going on in this country and people wondering why do we have the RFS. Well, that that, te- that tells you right there, we'd probably be, be in the same boat, right? We'd never have the, the market share. We'd not have all these benefits uh, probably without the RFS. Uh, that's right, and we're not the only ones to recognize that. The Chinese do. They've done their homework. They realize best-of-breed practices in the world of ethanol policy is you must enforce your mandate. They're coming to the USA. They want to get trained in how the RFS works, how the red market works. They're looking to the Brazilians for alternative ways of enforcement. But the one thing they have picked up from our engagement is they must find a way to force the blending of E10. Um, whether it come from imports or domestic, doesn't matter. But if you're trying to do that, you have to enforce. And they have told us that they already recognize that. They looked at the failures worldwide. And the one common denominator in every country that has failed with their ethanol policy, they failed to enforce it. So, in other words, who's going to drop $200 million on a plant when an investor is not even sure the government's going to stay the course? That's why policy stability is job one. And it's the point we make time and time again, and it is resonating. Like I said, China, uh, India is starting to recognize the fallacy of their ways, and there's discussions going on right now all throughout the region to follow the, uh, what we call the Philippine model. The Philippine model, they went to E10 quickly, and what they did is they imported like 90% of the E10 came from the U.S. until the investment picked up in the Philippines, and now our exports are dropping as their domestic production picks up. We can live with that because now the next challenge for the Philippines is to go to E20. So if they go to E20, they're going to have the same situation they found on E10. In the early years, they're going to import much of that difference between E10 and E20 until the investment starts to flow into the market and and they start producing more of their own. People forget that's the way it worked in this country. In the early days of the RFS, we imported much of our supply out of Brazil. Because yeah, the, do for- the production didn't pick up fast enough. We went from the world's largest importer, however, to now we're the world's largest exporter with roughly 65% of world trade. We're the cheapest. Uh, we can deliver large volumes. We can do it just in time. In other words, we can move it quickly into the marketplace. Well, it's exciting news. A lot of people say, oh, we've uh, kind of maxed out on uh, what we can expect uh, on ethanol in this country. Well, uh, hopefully we're going to increase in this country with E15 and higher blends, but the the potential around the world sounds tremendous. Mike, thanks for the update. Really exciting news. Thank you. All right, Michael. Thanks. Mike Dwyer, Chief Economist for the U.S. Grains Council. A lot of potential markets around the world for U.S. ethanol. All right. A lot of challenges uh, for the bee industry. Honeybee colonies continue to decline. Lots of problems there. Why? We're going to find out some new research next, coming up on AOA Adams on Agriculture. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over 5 million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. 
Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider, Vermont and New York Banking Departments, Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. All right, guys, we're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym, my gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room. Weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait, a family hub. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. The mighty Prosaro, king of fungicides. Its fast action and long residual make it the keeper of grain quality and yield. The hammer of head and leaf diseases. The number one reducer of scab. 
When your goal is greater wheat quality and higher yield, use Prosaro fungicide, and the crown of higher profit will be yours. Learn more at prosaro.us. Always read and follow label instructions. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, the nation's beekeepers lost 40% of their managed honeybee colonies between April 1st of last year and March 31st of this year. That's an increase of almost 7 percentage points from the previous year's total loss rate, according to an annual nationwide survey. Here to talk about that and give us some insight into it is Natalie Steinauer, Research Coordinator for the Bee Informed Partnership. Natalie, thank you for joining us. Uh, uh, what's your takeaway from this survey? Uh, how concerned should we be about this continued loss in uh, honeybee colonies? Well, thank you, Mike, for having me on your show. So um, we have been doing this survey for 10 years now uh, at, here at the University of Maryland with the Bee Informed Partnership. And um, um, I guess you know there's always going to be um, some years worse than others, but I guess our takeaway is that uh, um, it's not a single problem with a single culprit and a single solution. It's really a multifaceted issue that is affecting honeybee health. And um, in terms of concern, it's um, it's like honeybees are definitely um, uh, you know having issues. But at the same time, uh, we don't want to cause alarm in that honeybees are not threatened. They're not going extinct. Actually, the, the population has been remarkably stable in the last. 20 years, despite this high mortality that we're seeing. Um, so, yeah, to put it simply, we see a high mortality, but we also see some, you know, high natality in that beekeepers can recover uh, a lot of their losses by splitting surviving colonies and investing into them. Um, so, the, the the overall population is stable, um, but it's reflective of uh, of health issues um, um, that the honeybees are are facing. Well, those are good points because uh, some headlines would make us believe that they're going extinct, and it's good to hear that that's not the case. But obviously, as you said, there are there are several issues, several challenges, uh, whether it's weather, or parasites, lack of food, or or something else. Uh, all kinds of things have been associated with causes. Uh, is it because it's there are so many challenges and issues. That's what's making it so hard to uh, uh, to get a better handle on this, to 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 reverse this trend. Yes, exactly. So, um, and I think it's it's easy to want to have a single culprit because then it's it's, it's an easy fix, right? But the problem is not it's not the case. It, um, we've been talking a lot about the weather getting more erratic. Um, honeybees are facing a, a high pressure in in pathogens and parasites. And then um, they're also living in an environment that's not always high quality in terms of nutrition, pesticide exposure, and all of that makes... Um, so it's, it's really like a, a death by multiple cuts, right? Every single one of those aspects is going to weaken them and make them more susceptible to the other stressors. 
Yeah, we have a lot of people that want to single out a, a particular, uh, what they see as the uh, cause of this and, and put the all the blame on one area. But as you said, there are, there are several different challenges. So I, I would guess for those in the industry, for beekeepers, uh, management is um, even more important than ever. Yeah, absolutely, because that's um, in management is really where beekeepers can make a difference, right? Because it's not always easy to, to be able to influence the environment that you're living in, but you can definitely change your management. So it's um, this is something that here at the Bean for Partnership we're working um, specifically on trying to improve um, and define best management practices because um, even in the worst circumstances, if you change your management to adapt to it, you can give your bees the best chance. I think a lot of people just do not understand or realize how important uh, bees are. Uh, I think they're 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 overlooked, taken for granted. Um, true, and also I would like to point out that when you talk about bees, it's it's easy to to put them in the same bag. But uh, honeybees are really just you know this one species that that beekeepers manage that produce honey that is so important for our economy. But and they're they're the social. Uh, bees that live in colonies of up to 50,000 individuals in those, you know, very typical wooden box uh, hives uh, managed by beekeeper. But so there's this one species originated from Europe, and um, and so it's easy to forget about the, the huge diversity in bees um, that live in, in North America. We have about 4,000 species of native um, bees in, in, in North America that are not honeybees. So um, we definitely don't want to take all their spotlight, never, because um, those, those, this huge diversity of, of native bees are very important. They're also important pollinators. They're unmanaged. They're wild species, so we don't have beekeepers to, like, you know, carry their flags for them, um, but they're extremely important as well. Yeah, the importance of uh, them as pollinators uh, often gets overlooked, and um, we we've heard in recent years about the the battle with the, the parasites and the damage from you know pests and disease. Are are we getting a better handle on that at all, uh, Natalie? Um, so, so as we said, honeybees are facing a lot of different issues, and one of them are are the pathogens, um, and in par- in particular, one specific parasite, which is the varroa mite. So, um, if if that can help you visualize. For the bees, the varroa mite is kind of having a parasite the size of a dinner plate compared to your um, to your chest that is uh, attached to you and, and basically sucking your blood <laughs> and transmitting viruses. So it's it's a um, it's kind of a you know daunting image, but it's a it's a very um, um, important threat. We we usually consider this the number one threat to beekeeping, um, and it's it's probably it's worldwide. There is a couple of exceptions of countries that have been spared the varroa mite threat, but uh, everywhere else, it is um, the, the, the most important factors uh, driving um, um, honeybee health and, uh, and driving colonies to, 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 their, um, to their loss. So, so we are um, we're definitely trying to, to spread uh, awareness because it's, it's you know, it's, yeah, they're, they're big compared to the bees, but it's very hard to see them in, when you open a colony. So a lot of beekeepers consider think that they don't have uh, this this pest in their colonies, but we know from an uh, independent survey organized um, and funded by APHIS, um, uh, USDA APHIS, that um, virtually every colony in the country has varroa mites. It's in 100% of the colonies. It's not always above a, a, what we call an action threshold, um, but it's, it is everywhere. And if if it's not 
kept in check, their population is only growing in colonies. So mm. if you don't have it at one time, you definitely are going to, you know, have it at some other time of the year. So we are right. trying to really educate beekeepers to monitor their colonies, to look at them, to not just ignore the problem, but have right. a look at their colonies to try to find those varroa mites, because if they see them, if they find them All in right. their colonies, they are more likely to act. All right. Natalie, thank you very much. We appreciate your time. Oh, well, thank you very much for having me. Natalie Steinauer, Research Coordinator for the Bee Informed Partnership. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend, everyone. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I'd wake up with a sore neck or maybe a headache, or I'd feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. Well, when I invented my pillow, I wanted it so you could adjust the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not how much time we spend in bed. It's how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all my own manufacturing. Manufacturing my home state of Minnesota, a 10-year warranty, and you can wash and dry my pillow. And here's my best offer ever: get four my pillows for the price of one. That's right, get four my pillows, two premium pillows and two travel pillows for the price of one. Order my pillow at 800-871-7280 and use promo code Farm11. Get four my pillows for the price of one. Call 800-871-7280 and use promo code Farm11. Go to mypillow.com and at checkout use promo code Farm11. If you or your family love the freedom of swimming anytime of year. If you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. And here's a bonus C, choice. Because when you call for your free endless pool idea kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location. Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734.